Good job, man. First Corinthians chapter number three. Uh, First Corinthians uh, chapter number three. They asked me to sing with them, but um, there's teamwork in the Great Commission, and so uh, I declined. Uh, but uh, uh, wonderful, wonderful job, and I appreciate all the work that goes into the uh, the music. Uh, I want to turn to First Corinthians chapter number three, and I've already told you what I'm preaching on tonight. And I am going to be mindful of the time for the fellowship, but I do want to get the truths across that we need to get across. I just want to, while you're turning there, remind you of a few things. Uh, let's be faithful to all the different uh, activities, the, 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 the program that we're doing, trying to push forward to uh, reach more people. We want to double our church attendance uh, by the end of the year, and uh, I believe the Lord can do that with our labor and our work. And tonight's message will tie into that. But I want to remind you about the Preacher's Delight Conference coming in October, the last full week of October. I want you to make a, a plan to be here. Choir, orchestra, I need you to be here every evening in your place. Uh, we're going to have more, I believe we'll have close to 100 different preachers uh, who will be here. And so uh, the Lord is really blessing in that respect. And so I want you to just be praying about that now. And I want you to uh, keep that in mind. And it's an opportunity just to remind you, I know it's several months away, uh, this is an opportunity for us to be a blessing uh, to a pastor, uh, encourage them, help them, uh, equip them. They can go back to their people and be a help and encouragement to them. And uh, we can have a uh, help and a blessing uh, to uh, churches all over this country. And so uh, you just continue to pray for what God is doing and stay excited about what God is doing throughout the year. First Corinthians chapter number three, uh, we'll read beginning with verse number one. I'm going to read down through verse number nine of first Corinthians three, uh, beginning with verse number one. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to hear it, to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Now, this isn't the message tonight, but it's a good reminder. If there's divisions in the church, it's because of carnality. It's because of carnality. And uh, if we are all on the same page when it comes to the Spirit of God doing right, uh, there's no divisions. Uh, and so uh, if we stay right with God, we'll, we'll, we'll get, all get along together. Uh, verse 4, For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Verse 5, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed? Even as the Lord gave to every man, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every one shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Tonight, I've already mentioned to you, I'm going to preach on the teamwork of the Great Commission. The teamwork of the Great Commission. Father, help us tonight as we consider this passage of Scripture, we consider these truths in light of uh, your institution, in light of your commission. And Father, I pray that your church will be reminded of these things and will be helped by it. Uh, may we always take the time to uh, recalibrate spiritually and be reminded 
of our role, uh, not just in this life, but in our church, in this world, what this church can do to make a difference. I pray you'll be with your people tonight, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hold your spot there in 1 Corinthians. I'll read to you once again the Great Commission found in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We find in this passage that we've looked at many, many times, several weeks now, Christ gives the command to the church, as we know it, the Great Commission. Win them, baptize them, disciple them. In that crowd was that first church. Uh, what a monumental group of people. What a monumental task uh, that was presented to them. Uh, what an opportunity they had. And uh, we, we read this in Scripture, and it's just as real to us as if we were there. It has the same power, the same authority, but could you imagine hearing this off of the lips of the Son of God? To be in His presence, I think in that group, and if you go to Acts chapter number 1 and you find Christ's ascension in that group that witnessed that ascension and they went back into that upper room as the church and they prayed for God's power to come upon them, there were some great Christians in that group of people. The apostles were there, those great Christians. There's many who are unnamed that were there. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. Well, there's many who we look to as good examples. But let me remind us, no matter who was in that crowd today, it was not about them. It was about the Lord Jesus Christ. It was about Him. This was not intended to be a contest among them were saved and baptized. They, were, they identified that public declaration, that church is multiplying. They are called out. They were, they were there, though. Uh, we're just like them. Say, well, I don't have the faith of somebody. I don't have the ability. The wonderful thing about God's church, and we're going to see some truths in just a moment, is that we all have a part in the Great Commission. We all have a part in what God is doing. And a couple of, of examples I'll give you um, in just a moment, but it was not intended uh, for some to be uh, more special than others. We all have a part. We make a mistake as Christians to make it about personality and not about the Lord Jesus Christ. To make it about, well, I don't have the prominence in the church. Friend, nobody has prominence in the church. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. We all have different roles in the church. We all have different responsibilities in the church. We all have a part in the church. And that's what makes the church uh, efficient in its endeavors to reach more people with the gospel. So whether you're the pastor or whether you vacuum the floors when nobody's here, whether you're the pastor or you work as an usher, whether you're a Sunday school teacher or you work as a nursery worker, or whether you're just that faithful person who takes that prayer list, like I witnessed some tonight before the service, and just read through those names and take them to the Lord in prayer, everybody has a part, the same part. Say, well, I just don't feel like I, 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 I'm not a prominent, no, we're all, if you will, prominent members because we are part of his Team, uh, part of his team. Let me give you a couple of illustrations. Those of you that follow sports and uh, follow, I'll use, a, I'll use a football and a baseball 
uh, illustration. And you have uh, football teams who are prepared for their opponent, and they have what is called scout teams. Now, these guys aren't going to get into the game. I'll use college football because that's on Saturday and not Sunday. But uh, uh, they're not going to get into the game. But what do they do? They, they take the coaches, study the opponent, and then they put the offense in with their scout team, and their scout team will run the plays and simulate what they're going to see to help them get ready to face what they're going to face that next game. Now, whoever wins the championship, again, I'll refer to college football because it's not on Sunday, but whoever will win that championship, do you realize that everybody's part of a championship team? Even the scout team who helped get the first-team offense, the first-team defense ready to play? I've used this illustration before when I was coaching our high school basketball team many years ago. Uh, one, of the, one of the referees we had, he was, he was an older gentleman, and uh, uh, he, I, I struck up a conversation with him. It was the first time that uh, he had come and was one of our officials, and uh, I noticed he had a big ring on his finger and a big red stone. So I asked him what it was, and he said, well, it's a Cincinnati Reds World Championship ring. I looked at him and said, you know, I wasn't the big red machine in the early 70s. How many of you remember them? I wasn't even here. Let me say that. <laughs> I wasn't born yet. So this illustration has nothing to do with that. I just wanted to get that out there. I had nothing to do with that. And some of y'all. But I'm sitting there thinking, I said, I, I know the names of some of those players. You don't look anything like them. I said, oh, come on. And he pulled it off and showed it to me. Sure enough, world championship ring. I forget which year it was, but in the 70s, Cincinnati Reds. He said, I was the trainer on that team. The trainer got the same championship ring as the second baseman did, as the shortstop did, as the leadoff batter got. The cleanup batter got. The trainer. Say, well, I don't, I don't think that's the way it should be. The trainer didn't hit any home runs. Well, the trainer might have kept, this is a name if you were, well, I might have kept Joe Morgan in the game. Might, might have kept somebody healthy enough to play. Might have prevented an injury that would have kept them from winning one game. We focus on that one game that comes down to it. But a trainer's responsibility is to keep everybody healthy for a 162-game season. The trainer got the same recognition, the same part of the achievement, and he never threw a pitch. He never swung a bat. But when those rings and that championship was acknowledged, he was part of the team. Friend, there's an easy analogy there. That there's no body that gets recognition other than the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a judgment seat of Christ for Christians that there will be an acknowledgement of faithfulness. There will be some crowns presented for faithfulness in, in the work that we do. We don't, those crowns are not fitted to our head. 
Because we're not going to be wearing them. Because it's not about the pastor. It's not about the deacons. It's not about uh, the Sunday school teacher. It's, it's not about you. It's not about anybody else. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody who has a part in that is going to get an acknowledgement. You know what we're going to do? We're going to take those crowns and we're going to place them at his feet. Because don't you think it's true for a preacher? you got to get up and preach not for you but for Christ. Isn't it true for the singers that they ought to get up and sing for, not for you, but for Christ? Amen. By the way, you can tell the difference. You know, sometimes we get weary in our well-doing and our labor, but let me just encourage you, church, to remind you, you don't serve as an usher for, yes, you get joy out of it and you get blessing out of it, but remember, you're doing it for Christ. We go out and we try and be a witness and we invite people to church and we give the gospel why? Because it's, we've been commissioned by Christ. There is a heaven and a hell. There's, there's eternity that man must give an account of. But it is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you some truths very quickly from our passage in 1 Corinthians. There was some division in the church because, follow me with this, there are some in that group that Jesus gave that commission to. Let's, let's use John, for example. No doubt, John went about being a witness. He went to those and said, Christ has risen. Put faith in him. And he would win them. They'd put their faith in Christ. There would be something in the heart of that person for John. Because it was John who gave them the gospel. Maybe it was John himself who not only was the human instrument of that gospel, maybe he baptized him, maybe he trained him personally. There's some kind of affection. Peter preached at Pentecost. There were 3,000 that were saved at Pentecost. Now, Peter didn't fill out all the decision cards. I'll just, I'll just throw that out there at you. Peter didn't baptize everybody that day. Uh, there's a lot of people involved in that, but no doubt... This is you and I, some of you here, you were saved in a service at a church like this, or maybe even at this church, and you remember what the Lord did in your heart. You have, or you should have, some affection in your heart towards that man that was preaching, to that person who invited you, to that one who opened the scriptures to you and walked you through that Romans road or turned you that passage of scripture and says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There ought to be some affection there. Certainly there was here. You think of the Apostle Paul in his testimony, in his ministry. We know just, just a couple because we've read the letters that Paul wrote to them. And we think of Timothy, his son in the faith. We think of Titus, young men that Paul no doubt had a great impact in their life. They were loyal to Christ, but they were loyal to Paul. But what happened in the time of the scriptures, what still happens today, and the key is found in verse 5, who then is Paul and who is the apostle of ministers by whom ye believed? They did not believe on them. They were just the human instrument. And the same thing can happen today. And I thank God that we, this is not something that we deal with today. We want to be on one accord, but it's, it's what would take place and what still takes place in our world today. 
So Paul writes, and there were some who were, well, I'm of Paul. What do they mean of that? Paul was the one who they heard the gospel of. Well, I'm of Apollos. What, what do they mean? Well, Apollos was preaching, or Apollos shared with me the script, scriptures, and that's why I got saved. And maybe that was they, they, those were the men that mentored them and taught them the gospel and taught them the scriptures. So he said, I, I, it was Paul of Paul. I'm of Apollos. No doubt, because these were faithful men who had much fruit, there were many represented that they were the human instrument in them trusting Christ as their Savior. So what took place was, well, I'm of Paul, so I guess that means I'm more saved than those that are of Apollos. My dad always told the, made me think of a, a story. I have three, three brothers, and uh, all of us were saved at a, at a young age, and my dad led my three brothers. My mom is the only is I'm the only one my mom led to Christ. And he used to tell the story that he always doubted my salvation <laughs> because it was my mom who led me to Christ. And I would always respond, well, if I'm looking at mom and I'm looking at dad, well, then, you know. But it was like, well, this is how, this is the person, or this is the person, or I got saved in a big church, I got saved in a small church, all that matters is we get saved. So that's the context, and what Paul is going to use this division to teach is that it's not about you and I. We're all working together to fulfill the Great Commission. Don't underestimate, as part of the Great Commission, for you to have a smile on your face and for you to welcome somebody in the parking lot. The chances are good that if somebody can't find a seat and you just give them that Baptist glare of closed, this row is closed. If they're not here to hear the gospel, they're probably not going to get saved. Don't underestimate your prayers. Don't underestimate your giving. Don't underestimate you being at your post fulfilling your spot. Because all of us are doing what we can to fulfill the Great Commission. I don't have time tonight, but if we, we've studied what the Scripture says about the church in the past and, and how it has many members and all of us have different roles. And, 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 and in our church, I'm the pastor. There's one. I'm the pastor. But whatever role you play is just as important as the pastor. So how can that be important? It is important for the pastor. Well, if I don't have anybody to preach to... It's, it's going to be a lonely time. We, pastor and people, working together. You say, well, pastor, I don't know that everything is equal. You know, you, know, you know, I thank God that, you know, we can have church tonight and those babies are cared for. I love them. They're noisy. They smell sometimes. But we can focus what, you know, let the... Building's not get clean for three weeks. And the pastor's no longer the most important person. We all have a role. Now I'm going to mention just very quickly, I'm going to give you, give you four truths that I find in this passage concerning the teamwork of the Great Commission. And we ought to let this speak to our heart tonight. I, I wish we would be reminded how special and how important we are to God. 
Well, we should never doubt this because he gave his son to pay for our sins. And I'm thankful that he did that for me. But to put it in context for all of us, God sent Christ to pay for the sin debt of those that would reject him. And he still paid for their sins. But we matter to God. The scripture tells us that God thinks of us. What an unbelievable thought. Do we think of God? He thinks of us. Boy, he, I want you to see how important you are in the church. Everybody that's in the church makes the church stronger. There are some of you that are encouragement to somebody else, and you have no idea you're that encouragement. Some of you are an encouragement to the pastor. I look for you. I see you. I watch what you do. I, I know sometimes the health situations that you're battling, and to see you in your place and doing what you can, that encourages the heart of your pastor. There are times when I don't feel good. There are times when I'm drained and exhausted and say, I just, maybe actually, and then I think of people who I know they're going to be there. I know they're going to be in their spot. I know they're going to be doing what they're doing. And they need, we need each other. Don't ever lose sight of the fact that in our town, in our city, our neighbors need Christ first of all. But this church would help families. This church would help young people. Let's remember these things as I, as I give you these truths. Number one, it takes a team to fulfill the Great Commission. When the Lord gave that group that commission, they all didn't scatter and go into all these different directions. They worked together to fulfill that task. You know what each one of us ought to do? We ought to be reminded as part of this church, yes, we're going to get the Bible taught to us. Yes, it's a place where we can pray for others and others can pray for us. We're going to fellowship. Uh, I believe iron sharpens the iron as the Bible, Bible tells us. We're going to edify one another. Uh, it, it is, we're all of those things. But we work together to see people saved. There are some that you've come to pastor, I can't, I can't go out like I used to, or I can't go out. I say, just pray for those that do. Oh, pastor, that's not a big deal. I promise you, it is a big deal. It takes the power. Everybody has a part in that. There are some who every Saturday, they, they keep the children while others go out. That's part of the Great Commission. It takes a team to fulfill the Great Commission teamwork in the church. This is what we've got to be reminded of with the cause of Christ in general, but more specifically inside the church, we need both Paul and Apollos. We need both. We need everybody to have a part in reaching people with the gospel. We can't have all the Sunday school classes. We just don't have the space right now uh, that, we, that we've had in the past and that we want to have. But it's like, well, this is better, and you ought to have some pride in, in, in your class and in, in your ministry. And, well, this, mine's more important than this ministry. And I hope that if you've, what comes to my mind is, is our Christian school. And if you work in that ministry, I hope you think it's the most important ministry. And if you work in the nursery ministry, I hope you think that's the most important ministry. If you work in the usher, with the usher in that ministry, I, th- I hope you think it's the most important ministry. If you, if you sing in the choir, I mean, I hope you think it's the most important thing. But we need it all. We need it all. 
It takes a team to fulfill the Great Commission. Let me ask you this question. I'll give you number two. What part are you playing on the team? Or are you playing on the team? Don't have this mindset that equates to, well, I'll just take my ball and go home. Well, if I can't, if I can't play in this position, then I'm going to go find another team. We've got to get to the mindset that it takes a team. And man, I'm just glad to be on the team. I'm just glad to have a part. Because when it all comes down to it, it's all about Christ anyway. Number two, no matter, it's going to be very practical tonight. No matter what part you play, it's God that's doing the work. We're reminded three times in verses five through seven. Who me in verse number five. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. Verse six, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. I can plant the seed of the gospel. So can you. I can water it. Sometimes we will win somebody to Christ, and we didn't plant that seed. Somebody else planted that seed, and we just happened to be there along at that time, and we watered it. But you know who makes it grow? You know who gives that, that life? You know who gives the increase? It's nobody but God. Verse 7, So then neither is he that planteth anything. Okay? I hate to burst your bubble. I love our music. It's the best music. But you're not anything. I'll say this, and I'm the pastor. You love your pastor, right? I'm not anything. According to the scripture... We're just those that water. We're just those that plant. But only God can give that life. Only God can do anything with that. Many a Christian has lost their productivity, has lost their usefulness for Christ because they see the increase and they want to take credit for it. Oh, this comes to my mind. Parents, as your children grow, if they choose to serve the Lord, let me, let me remind you, you ought to praise God for that. All your children are saved. You ought to praise God for that. If they're serving the Lord, you ought to praise God for that. But don't you dare take credit for it. Well, Pastor, I did what was right. Yes, you, you watered. You, you did what was right. But I know a lot of good people who did what was right, and their children chose to go a different path. It's only God that does that, by the grace of God. Boy, we as a church, we see people saved each and every week of the world, and God is doing a great work. It's because of, of planting, yes. It's because of watering, yes. That's all we can do. It takes God to give the increase. It takes God to make the difference, lest you and I get puffed up, think too much of ourselves. The Bible tells us we're nothing. Hey, have you ever heard of the Apostle Paul? The greatest Christian to live wrote most of the New Testament. Well, what a, what a, what a standard of, 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 of how God used him in a way that none of us will ever be used. So next time you're getting all puffed up and thinking of yourself, it was the Apostle Paul who said, I am nothing. Because it's God that gives 
the increase. You know, you, you know what we need in our marriages? We need God. You know what we need in our homes? We need God. You know what we need in our churches? We have to have God. Well, well, well Pastor, the government's not, not with us. They may never be with us, but as long as we have God, we have enough. We need God. Well, if we have him, the, that, he's the one doing the work anyway. Statement number three. We make a difference not by what specific part we play, but by our effort and involvement. Let me say that again. We make a difference not by what specific part we play, but by our effort and our involvement. Notice what is said. Look at verse 8. Now, he that... Now, Paul's already acknowledged the division. He's already re- reminded the church. He's already reminded them. It, it, we've been reminded it takes team to fulfill the Great Commission. It's God that does the work. Now we see in verse number 8, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. That's a good reminder of what we just talked about. We need each other. Don't make the mistake of not thinking, uh, of thinking you don't need your church. But if we're going to fulfill the Great Commission, we need each other. I wonder how many times the Great Commission has gone unfulfilled because somebody didn't fulfill their spot on the team. Somebody didn't do their part. And every man shall receive his own reward According to his talent, is that what the the Bible says? According to his position, is that what the Bible says? No, it says according to his own labor. You want to make a difference in God's church? You want to make a difference with the Great Commission? Just get involved. Find a place to get involved. We need nursery workers, keep the nursery. We need ushers, be an usher. We need cleaning, clean. There's ministries that you can be involved in, be involved in them. I've got a ministry every one of us can be involved in. It's called the show up on Sunday ministry. Somebody needs to see you in church. There's another ministry we all can be involved in. It's the prayer ministry. Everybody can pray. Every member of this church, every Sunday morning, they ought to pray, Lord, if there's lost people in the service, I pray that today's the day they'd be saved. Would you give our pastor power as he preaches? Would you give him clarity of mind as he preaches? Would the Spirit of God do what only the Spirit of God can do? I promise you, that makes a difference. We all can have a part. We make a difference... Not by our title. Friend, and, and young men and, and ladies who want to be in the ministry, do not pursue a title. Amen. Serve. Yes, sir. yes. Right. You don't have to have a title right. to tell somebody God loves you. He loves you so much. Yes. He sent his son to die for you. Amen. You don't have to have a title to go back and say, hey, we missed you last week. We'd love to have you at church this coming Sunday. Oh, I have the privilege of having your child in my Sunday school class, and I just want you to know how much I appreciate having them in my class. And I prayed for your child this week. You know, we, that doesn't take a title. That doesn't take any talent. We make a difference by not 
by what specific part we play, but by our effort and involvement. Are you involved? Are you part of the team? I can think back to the limited sports I played, and boy, you, the thing that you didn't want to do is you, I, I knew I was going to have to run. But I didn't want to run because somebody else wasn't running. I wanted to run because I had to run. But I don't want to run extra laps or extra sprints because somebody, when they were supposed to run, didn't run. So now I got to do more because they did less. It's not true in this church, but it, 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 there's a statistic that I'm sure is true in some. But I don't believe it's true in this, that uh, 20% of the, in the average church, 20% of the members do 80% of the work. It shouldn't be that way. Now, thank God I don't believe it's that way for us. But 100% of the membership ought to be doing 100% of the work. Now, our roles may be different, but the effort should be the same. The involvement. There are sometimes there are members that their health will keep them from being in a service. But I believe this to be true because they have told me this is true. Pastor, what I can't be there. I just want you to know I'll be praying for you the whole time as you preach. That I, can't, I can't be there, but I'll be praying for you. That, that makes a difference. That's effort. That, that, that's, that's involvement. And then number four, and I'm done. This kind of summarizes the whole thing. Let me read verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. When it comes to the teamwork of the Great Commission, number four, we must remember we are on God's team. The right mentality is not to look at it as God's on our team. We're on God's team. We are working with him. He allows us to be part of his work. As I stand every Sunday, I stand behind this pulpit and preach the message that God has put on my heart. I must approach it that I'm serving with God. I cannot do it on my own. As you, every, every, every member that sings in, in that choir, you must approach it. I'm, I'm, I'm part of this ministry with God. You, you sing in a special group, and I'm doing this with God. You stand in a Sunday school class on Sunday, you're doing it with God. Well, you go out two by two, and you go to a neighborhood, and you canvass it, inviting people to church, you have to do that with God. We, we, we serve in different capacities, whether it be in, as an usher, a nursery worker, or just be, be, be a part of the unaffiliated ministry of encouragement. I'm just going to encourage the people that I come in contact with. Now, there's some of you to get out of the ministry of discouragement and get into the ministry of encouragement. Well, if you can set a visitor at ease because somebody's friendly to them. Pastor, we got the friendliest church, and boy, there's such a good spirit here. We all get along. But somebody who's been here the first time, the second time, third time don't know that. Right. Right. We all, we, we're doing that with God. Amen. When it comes to even giving, we give with God. But we must remember we are on God's team, for we are laborers together. You know what I love about, one of the many things I love about the, the church, but one thing I love about the church is that we all get to serve God together. We serve together. What do we serve for? We serve with him 
to fulfill his commission. That's why we, we, if we're all serving with him, we'll all be of one accord. If there, I've already said there's divisions because somebody thinks it's all about them. Well, I just didn't agree with it. Well, stop making it about you. Are people being saved? Is, is the Spirit of God working? Is, is the Scripture being followed? It's not about you. It's not about me. When I'm the pastor and there's things, I sometimes scratch my head and say, scratch my head and say, why are we doing that? Well, it works. Okay. It's not even about me. It's about Christ. I believe with my whole heart that by fulfilling the office of the pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, I'm doing the will of God for my life. But I also believe just as strongly that every member of this church, God brought you here just as he's brought me here. Some of you would say, I don't even know how I got here. I'll tell you how. God brought you here. What for? So we can serve him together. So we can work together to do a great work for him. You study great works and great moves of God in the past. There are names of preachers and men of God that always will rise up. And God used them in a mighty way. And I don't want to discount that, but the truth of the matter is, and they would be the first to tell you that there's a host of people who served with them. We did this together. I go back to the illustration of the trainer who had the championship ring. You know, you may not be able to, you may not be comfortable, confident, you may not even have the health, the knowledge to, be, to win people to Christ as maybe somebody else can. When you just make a simple invitation, don't discount that. When you befriend somebody, don't discount that. When you just come to church, even though you're burdened with a smile on your face, that makes a difference. We witness a baptism before the service. We all saw Brother Fox baptize Noah. What you didn't see is there's some workers back there. He's getting everything ready. The towels don't automatically wash themselves. Matter of fact, we don't even wash them, so I'm just kidding. If you were thinking about getting baptized, I'm just kidding. But sometimes we think that. Well, this just happens. No, there's somebody who said, I'll do my part so that we can work together to see the Great Commission fulfilled. I believe God is giving us a great opportunity to do a great work for him. There are people who need this church. Do we believe that? And then if that's true, there are people who need you. They need us working together to make a difference. How's your dedication to your team? I hope this encourages you. I'm just doing my part. Keep doing your part.
Keep being faithful. Don't compare what you're doing to what somebody else is doing. You, you, you're different people. You have, you, have, you, have, you have different strengths. We all have different uh, strengths. We all have different, come from different backgrounds. We just, here's a spot that I can serve, serve. Don't compare to what somebody else is doing. Don't get caught up in that. And friend, if we ever get to a place where we say, well, look at what God knows, we're nothing. It's all about the cornerstone. It's all about the foundation, the rock. It's all about Christ. It's all about Him. Let's continue to have a part in pointing others to Christ. Father, we love you. Thank you.